1: I'll never hunt alone again. I had pursued my game for hours. Stalking stealthily and quietly in woods that only I had permission in. I finally was within shooting distance. I brought my rifle to my shoulder, scope to my eye. Just above the deer's shoulders, I saw another hunter, aiming at my deer. My first reaction was oh my god. How could I point a rifle at someone? Because the first rule of hunter safety is be sure of your target and beyond. I still feel like an idiot for that. I lowered my rifle instantly, and before I could call out. A shot rang out. He clearly missed the deer and struck a tree beside me. He fired again as I dropped to the dirt, covering my head, hoping the shooting would stop. He took four shots. The last two sounded like hits. So I got up on a knee, discharged my rifle in the air and yelled what the F dude. He had shot my deer. He was on my turf. I ran over there intending to kill him. But when I got to him, it was apparent that he was in his 80s. He apologized profusely. He was shaking more than I was. At the end of it all, he said that he would never hunt again. I helped him drag the deer back to his truck, and I gutted it for him. If he would've shot me, I'd be a missing person never to be found. Lots of wolves in the area. Would've eaten me completely. We were in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan attending deer camp. It's really fun, and I recommend it to anyone who enjoys hunting. I was headed for my tree stand, and my hunting buddies went to their blinds or stands as well. We were all hunting G solo, each about half a mile away from everyone else. As they dropped me off at my trail and drove to theirs, I felt as if something strange was happening. I kept noticing things flickering at the edges of my vision but could never quite see what it was. A bit spooked now, and walking just a little bit faster, I was in a dead sprint, hindsight, not the best idea with a loaded rifle, I made it to my stand and climbed up. Even from there, I still saw flickers in the bushes by my stand, and I was now really anxious. My phone was dead, having a cold phone just kills the battery, so I had my rifle trained on the bushes. After a while, the shapes went away. It had gone on for what felt like 6 hours but was probably about half an hour. After it got dark, I got down from my stand and found wolf tracks everywhere around my stand. I was about ready to piss myself from fear at this point. Very slowly and with adrenaline pumping, I walked back to the road. However, I found a deer carcass, and it was fresh. Like the blood was still flowing from some places. Of course, there were wolf tracks. It was then I heard a wolf howl and I actually did piss myself. I don't remember getting to the road, but I got to the road with chills up my spine and very afraid. I got picked up after I was running down the road toward where the truck was coming. It took a while to explain why I was doing that and why my pants were soiled. They made fun of me a lot. We reported this to the Michigan DNR guy. He noted it and was nice about it. We found out that the wolves had killed someone's dog too. I didn't hunt in that spot again, partly because the wolves had made the site hot. The next year, when we went, the other hunters said they hadn't seen any sign of wolves in the area this year, which was weird because they were so active the last year. We think the DNR took care of them. Hunted rabbits, cottontail and jackrabbit, when I was a preteen or teen with dad and his friends. Sometimes, we would use dogs to flush rabbits out. One particular outing, the dogs flushed a rabbit out my way. I took aim with my 410 and took it down. Typically, we would dress, gut and skin, in the field. So, my dad and I was dressing this particular kill, and, lo and behold, it was pregnant. The mother was dead but the babies were still very much alive and wiggling in the now discarded uterus. Well. The dogs quickly devoured the unborn rabbits. I went hunting again a few more times, but not as an adult. I prefer the blissful ignorance of not knowing the truth about the circle of life. I was scouting for roe deer for the upcoming deer season. I know my area like the back of my hand, familiar with every buck, hind, and sprong family group of roe deer that lives in the area. I've been logging all the wildlife, plant varieties, and even weather conditions in my notebook for years. I knew a really big roebuck was probably using this one trail, so I decided to go out at dawn to see what would come along on the trail. I found a nice spot downwind of the trail, about 10 meters away. Looking at a big oak tree, it sort of blocked the trail and thereby forced any animals to walk around it and into my line of sight. I sat and waited. And waited. I saw a few hares, a hind with her young, loads of squirrels, and a pine marten. The morning dew came with some low fog. Nothing too bad, so I stayed put. Suddenly, it appeared fog came out of the big oak tree. In my country, we call it Witwijven. Nothing weird though. It happens when the morning or evening sun hits one part of the tree, warming it up while the other side stays cold. It's stuff for local legends about witches and stuff. So, back to what happened. I sat in wait, morning dew and fog came. Suddenly, fog came rapidly out of the big oak tree. I didn't know how, but suddenly there was a soldier. He stepped through the tree fog, or out of it, yelled something, and walked off into the distance. It scared the daylights out of me. I feared I might have ended up in a military training exercise, which was impossible since the nearest possible military site was 200 kilometers away. The soldier didn't look anything like my friends who were in the actual military. Just a steel helmet, greenish suit, belt, boots, and an old rifle. It confused me in a really scary way, it wasn't natural. I never told anyone, fearing people would make fun of me. However, two years later, I got confirmation it was a ghost. They found the remains of a World War II soldier in that tree. He had probably been up there since the invasion in 1940. It was October 1, 2019, in Los Padre National Forest near Santa Barbara, California. It was the worst night of my life. I went on a solo backpacking trip and I had mapped out a loop trail which I didn't really know if possible. I didn't know this area very well and I didn't think the trail had been maintained for over a dozen years. My guess is that it would be about 50 miles but I really needed to figure out what I was planning on doing in 3 days. But I had enough food for 5. About 7 minutes into my hike I found this beautiful campsite area with a waterfall and natural swimming hole. I didn't make it as far as I would've liked to on my first day but I couldn't pass up swimming in this beautiful creek in this slot canyon. I set up my hammock went for a swim, ate some dinner, and turned in early. I figured if I hit the hay early I'd get up before sunrise and get back on pace. I woke up about an hour later to find that dreadful feeling of being watched it was absolutely horrible. There's only a sliver of light left from the sunset so I decided I would pitch a tent, then rain tarp on, and go back to sleep. I set up the tent faster than I've ever set up a tent before. I felt as if I was being watched the entire time. I crawled in and tried to force myself back to sleep. I guess the tent gave me a false sense of security, out of sight and out of mind. I fell back asleep. Several hours later, at about 2 in the morning, I was woken by a whistle coming from up the creek. I sat up in my tent listening. I didn't hear any birds, crickets, or anything. I don't even think I remember hearing the creek or waterfall. But 5 minutes passed and as soon as I laid my head down I heard the same whistle again from about 200 yards up the creek. I sat back up, my eyes as big as saucers just listening. I knew that this wasn't a bird or any wildlife. I sat perfectly still in my tent and listened. I then heard another whistle from 200 yards down the creek this time. The original whistler up creek quickly responded to the whistler down the creek, then straight up the cliffside in the canyon above me. I heard a third whistle respond every minute or so. They would take turns whistling one minute, it would be from up creek. The next minute from down creek. Then the following minute up above me on the cliff they took turns in perfect order, never going out a turn. I listened to this for about half an hour before I realized that the whistles were closing in my tent. The whistles were getting louder and closer. First, it was 200 yards, then 150 yards, then 100 yards, then 50 yards, until all three whistlers were right outside my tent. They're whistling down at me. I was shaking in my sleeping bag terrified. What followed next was the worst experience I've ever had in my 31 years of life. The ground began to shake like an earthquake and I felt electric shocks going through my body. It was very painful. I think I let out an involuntary yell from the pain. Tears were rolling down my face because I was so terrified. I mustered up my strength and yelled from the top of my lungs, leave me alone. Then silence. The electric shock stopped, and the ground stopped shaking. I tried to listen as best I could to any noise while shaking with fear in my sleeping bag. I then heard a stern voice in my head telling me to leave. He sounded angry. It's the same mind speak that I heard years earlier. They then turned and started to walk away from me. I could feel the ground shaking as they left. They then entered the thick of the forest and broke trees and branches till they were all out of range. I stayed awake in my tent all night until first light and then went back down the way I came to my truck. I could not complete the loop trail, I was going home. I ended up not leaving my bedroom for 3 months other than to get food. I was terrified to even go outside my home. Friends and family started to worry about me finally. I told one of my friends what happened. I even got a therapist who specializes in PTSD and told him everything, probably saved my life. I was probably as close to unaliving myself as I could get. My friend got me back out in the woods and even got me to go overnight camping on several occasions but I highly doubt I'll ever go solo backpacking in the woods for the rest of my life. This just happened, so nothing is foggy or blurred by memory. Hell, we're still even sitting right where it happened. My friend and I are sitting on his porch between 1 and 1 10 a.m. We're watching TikToks and Drinking Monster, important because neither of us is, or was, under any alcoholic influence. We were just sitting here when we heard something fall, and his cat rushed off to where the noise came from. This cat is very territorial and is very defensive of where he lives. So, any other animal on the land would immediately alert him. We heard a cat fight ensue, my buddy instinctively pulls out his knife as he's ready to defend his cat. We run down to where the fight is happening, and my friend is making noises towards the fight, trying to break it up. I see my friend's cat dart away, and we hear a teeth chattering noise. This is all happening near his camper, so as we round his camper, the creature is hiding somewhere. This is when we see it walk out beside his shed, and my friend chases after it. He says it's a brown color and he saw it running on two feet. This man is six foot four, decently built, and a hunter seeing it run on two legs made him stop in his tracks. My friend has hunted all of his life, from raccoons to woodchucks to deer. Anything in the Ohioan wilderness you can think of. And this made him stop in his tracks. We see it dart under the shed after my friend chases it. After the initial encounter, my friend saw it go under his second shed. He said all he saw was a tail dart under the shed. As I was writing this, my friend heard it growling and got up with his knife. When he got out to where the growls were, he saw it dart back under the shed. Our speculation is that it is a raccoon or possum. But my question is, can raccoons run on their back legs? A report that was originally sent to the Pittsburgh Gazette describes encounters with what the residents of Mahaffey, Pia called a wild man. Could it have been a Bigfoot? The wild man of Mahaffey. A dispatch from Mahaffey to the Pittsburgh Gazette says, the people of this village are trying to solve a mystery. On Saturday, May 26, a gentleman driving along the road leading from Kerwinsville to this place, Mahaffey, noticed smoke issuing from a pine thicket on the south side of the river a mile below Mahaffey. In the center of the thicket is an old tumble-down log stable, used years ago by lumbermen for their horses. The ground adjacent to the thicket is an open pasture for cattle. On Sunday last, while Mr. Johnston was looking for his cow, he noticed a man suddenly bound out of the stable and make for the woods as if afraid to meet a fellow creature. On other occasions, this same man has been seen but always fled like a wild animal when observed. Yesterday Squire W. W. McQuown and Emery Mahaffey made an investigation of the place and found in the old stable a rude bed made of hemlock boughs and a fireplace a few feet from the couch where the strange individual cooked his meals. No person was to be seen, however, the hermit had evidently noticed the approach of the party and escaped to the mountain a short distance back from his lonely habitation. A den of rattlesnakes, only a few hundred feet from his camp, which is the terror of the neighborhood, must certainly furnish weird music for the lone citizen. The hermit is a man about forty years of age, with a tall and commanding figure. His hair and beard are unkempt, and he looks as though he has been roughing it for months. Who is he? That is the question the people of Mahaffey are anxious to have answered. I'm from California, but me and my family lived in Atlanta for about two years, from 15 to 17 years old. The entire time living there was a saga within itself, but I can remember one specific incident that was unsettling. When we arrived in Atlanta, we stayed in a hotel for some months, looking for places to live. There was this handyman who worked at the hotel, he was a white man maybe in his mid-forties, large belly, wore glasses and always dressed in the same camouflage jacket that kinda made him resemble a hunter of some sort. He seemed friendly enough, he would always wave and joke around with all the kids and with my parents and we were cordial with him. His friendliness started to become excessive towards the end of our stay, It got to the point where he would yell up to us from outside our window. We would call back to him and laugh with him, make light of the situation. But it became uneasy for us when he kept doing it, night after night, patrolling the parking lot. At one point we just ignored him and turned the light out as if we weren't there. He became even more aggressive, shouting to us and shining a huge flashlight in our window, whistling up to us and joking about how he knew we were still up. He had a weird high-pitched laugh mixed with his southern accent that didn't sound like he was playing around, it was more sinister. In a sadistic, pee-wee Herman kinda way, I can't describe it. I can't remember everything he said specifically. But there was a comment he made about us one time that made my father very uneasy, he compared him to someone on Unsolved Mysteries lol. There were little things he said about all the kids as well, how cute we were or something to that effect that never sat Will with us at all. It came to a breaking point when one day, we went downstairs to our car and saw a hangman figure drawn in the dust on the back window. I'm mixed, as are my siblings, my dad is black, my mom is mixed-raced. We're in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia, the deep south in a very awkward position. We're totally new to this state, I've never left the west coast before that point in life. This image creeped everyone in my family out, we knew he was the one who did it. My dad confronted him about it and he played it off, denied that he meant anything by it at all and apologized profusely. But the way he did it was in the same weird, joking manner that he talked to us with, so it was very hard to take seriously. This, and the fact that this hotel was robbed at gunpoint in the same week motivated us to leave immediately. I never saw this man again, though we had many other insanely creepy experiences down south, and after a while we just came back to California and never looked back. My friend likes to go mushroom foraging, and one time, she brought me along with her. We got further and further into the woods, getting distracted by cool rocks, different mushrooms, a cool stick, or even just by talking. We were having a great time, just the two of us, until we stumbled into a clearing where a man was sitting, skinning what looked like a deer. I was frozen for a second. I mean, I only moved to this yeehaw ass town about a year and a half ago. I'm from the Bronx, where you can see some weird stuff, but I am definitely not used to hunting culture. My friend and I were just sort of frozen. The man looked up, covered in blood, and said, you know it's not safe for girls like you out here, right? Then he let out a raspy laugh, instantly chilling my bones. He picked up his frighteningly large knife and just kept skinning the deer, muttering about all the dangerous animals in these woods. My friend and I were just nodding, not sure what else to say or do. He looked back up at us and said, there's the bears, sure. The mountain lions. The fisher cats, and the rabid coons. But the most dangerous thing out here? He leaned forward and pointed the knife. Man the most dangerous game there is. My friend and I made eye contact and just. Booked it. Running through the woods, through bushes and thorns, we eventually found our way back to her property. Not sure if creepy hunter guy was just scaring us for shits and giggles, but F, it was creepy. I'd like to think he just got fun out of scaring two teenagers, but Jesus Christ. I'm not in the mood for this dude to pull a Robert Hansen. I'm 24 years old and female. This is a bit hard for me to write out, but I think it's important to address. So my parents split when I was young. Neither my dad, nor my mom had their act together, which in turn caused me to not have my act together. From a young age I was drinking and experimenting with recreational drugs. I was just falling into a cycle that my family has always been in. My mother had a tendency to sleep around with anyone that would give her the time of day. This meant inviting some really creepy guys into out home. I think it's important to mention that she was a drug addict and didn't consider the danger. I had been arrested a few times before the age of 15 for either fighting or underage drinking. I was a mess. One night my mom and her occasional boyfriend were waiting up when I stumbled and drunk. This was the moment I realized I needed a change. My mom's boyfriend had pushed me down and then pulled me into another room of the house. My mom started banging on the door begging him to let me go. To this day I still won't forget that sinister look on his face. It gives me chills just thinking about it. It was the face of someone who had bad intentions. It was a little smile and I swear it's burnt into my brain. He said something along the lines of I'm about to show you why it's bad to let your mom worry about you. I screamed. He kept coming at me, but I put up a fight. After a couple minutes of struggle I scratched him in the face. Then he became enraged. Thankfully my mom had phoned the police and he was arrested before anything serious happened. There was a cop that was always present when I got in trouble. He was around 60 at the time. I remember he was always giving me shit for my behavior. That night he was there. My mom was taken into custody along with her boyfriend, so I was sitting and waiting with him while they were getting my story. Then he said something to me I'll never forget. I'm really sorry about all of this. I'm sorry but you're not going home. And then he told me it's time for you to change. Do you want to end up like her, or do you want to be somebody? I told him that I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to break that cycle. I was put into foster care, which was a horrible experience at first, but it ended up being what I needed. He and I stayed friends until he passed away about a year ago. I always went to him when I needed guidance. I'm happy to say that I've been a corrections officer for the past two years because of him and I'm pleasures to honor his memory by pursuing a career in law enforcement. Also losing me was what my mom needed to get her act together. She has been sober for almost 10 years and is remarried to a wonderful guy. Hopefully this was somewhat encouraging. Just before dawn still dark, with a flashlight in one hand and a bow in the other, I snuck through the darkness as best as I could, careful not to snap a single branch that lay on the forest floor, making my way to my tree stand. Carefully and quietly, I climbed up and sat motionless. The sun began to rise and out from the nearby swamp one of the biggest bucks I had ever caught a glimpse of cautiously crept up over my left shoulder. Deer tend to move about and feed at dawn or dusk, this giant buck seemed to make sure to keep his body mass behind every tree, blocking any chance of me possibly taking my shot. Praying he would make his way to my small, but, legal, bait area of apples and carrots, he circled and surveyed the woods, but, regretfully, he walked back into the swamp. I sat there motionless. Rethinking every step the large buck took. Could I have taken that chance of a bad shot? Should I have? Second-guessing every moment of that situation, occasionally sneaking a drink of water, opening a small jar of dough sent to mask my own. The rest of the day was peaceful yet extremely uneventful. Dusk approached. It was about 5 o'clock, maybe 5.30, I wasn't going to check my watch. Today was the last day of bow season, tomorrow was gun season. Every nut with a gun and a beer would be stomping through the woods nearby on the state land shooting at anything that moved. Snap! Something broke a branch behind me. The small crunches on the ground were getting closer. My heart pounded. With every cautious crunch I imagined that giant buck was back and all my patience had finally paid off. I envisioned his every step as the noises became closer and closer. The noise stopped directly below me. Something was scraping my tree bark my mind imagined the massive buck rubbing his magnificent rack lightly against my tree, then abruptly without a care in the world, I heard it. Hey check it out. This spot looks great. There's even some apples laying on the ground here. Then the other idiot said with a sinking feeling, dude. This is somebody's bait pile. Tweedledee and Tweedledum looked up at me and I just said, what the F is wrong with you two? You're on private land. You had to have seen the signs that read, No trespassing and you cross the barbed wire fence. Get the F off my property. Not exactly related, but when I was around 5 or 6 years old, my parents took me and my siblings to Australia to visit our grandparents. My grandpa, who was a soldier and quite impressive because he owned a lot of guns, I assure you, I have no intentions of becoming a school shooter took us to his backyard to camp overnight. As we were about to go to sleep, a snake sneaked into our tent. I saw it and didn't think much of it, other than to inform my grandpa. It turns out the snake was quite venomous, so when he saw it, he grabbed it by the head, twisted its head around, and just yanked it off. Since it was a baby, it was easy to decapitate, and it wasn't too venomous. However, that experience scarred me for a bit, since I was only 6. The act of him ripping its head off was what scared me, not the snake itself, by the way, I handle snakes quite a bit, so that's why I wasn't scared of the snake. I've camped solo for years and I've only had two creepy encounters. One while hiking solo in the mountains a guy turned around mid-trail to follow me for about 2 miles. The other time was in the desert when I was boondocking on BLM land in my tent, solo. There was a dirt road nearby that didn't get much traffic. I was being lazy, lounging and getting sun all afternoon. I noticed a truck that came by and then came by watching me again. And again. Late that night when it was pitch black at about 2 am I was awake already and saw headlights coming up but they turned them off, going by slowly. I peeked out the flap and saw the truck's taillights up the road, he was stopping. I grabbed my headlamp and keys fast and got out of the tent into my car and turned it on. The truck left. I did not sleep all night and stayed in my car, doors locked. Looking back I should have ditched my tent and gear and just left but I liked my stargazer chair. I was in a national park hiking and scouting an area for hunting. I ran into a marijuana grow and got into a gunfight with some Mexican dudes. I ran back to camp and told the camp host and he cleared the entire campgrounds and made everyone leave. The next day I went back and wardens and local LEO had about 20 people and 2 helicopters at the campgrounds. I went back in with the boots on the ground. Wild experience. my bother and I have been comping solo on private property starting at 12 or 13. Once we got driver's license we started camping all over the state. We were camping on core land or national forest where in a short walk we could squirrel hunt from camp which was also on a major creek feeding a lake where we liked to run limb lines to catfish. We had a guy in a nice bass boat pull up on us basically yelling at us that we could not hunt on the creek nor could we use limb lines to fish which was completely wrong. The guy got livid at us. Threatening to come in the shore and beat our ass. Mind you my brother and I was holding long barreled shotguns during this entire encounter. We just turned 90 degrees to him and slipped back into the woods. We did not leave but we did swap watches that night just to be safe. Yes I have. I was solo hiking or backpacking through a provincial park in Ontario. Canada and as a single woman I've always felt safe yet aware of the risks. I was settling down for the evening at a very secluded spot and this really tall man just wandered into my space and started talking to me. The sun was actively setting at this point so in the back of my mind I was concerned for him. Like how was he going to set up camp? I asked him if he's camping nearby and he said no, he's just hiking through. We were like 9 hours hiking time from the highway but I felt super uneasy. He got closer to me and seemed incredibly friendly yet socially awkward, and invited himself to kind of sit in the camp on a log. Our conversation died and I was hungry and eager to start eating and prepping my dinner. Yet he didn't leave. He sat there in silence for almost 45 minutes as I was setting up my camp. I started to feel unsafe and uneasy through this and my heart rate was super high. After 45 minutes he stands up and said he might as well get going and left. It was pitch black outside. I didn't sleep at all that night, something about him made me super anxious. The only time I felt myself relax was when I was back in my car the next day. Just went solo camping recently and my closest neighbors who were RV camping were the absolute worst. They were drunk off their asses day or night which is fine, but that meant they were extremely loud while thinking no one could hear them. Multiple things were said about me and their other neighbors including her black dent means she's a part of BLM, I think she's a n-mutt, I'm biracial, women like her are gonna be the end of us, she's obviously doing drugs. She's obviously a lesbian then a bunch of xenophobic shit about the other campers. Half the time they sat there literally just watching me set up, process wood, etc. These dudes then proceeded to drive their truck by my campsite a few times and once actually came to a full stop and just sat there staring. One of the couples that were part of their camp also got into a bad fight.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at Byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns
1: during the day i have camped a good amount in my life and they topped the worst people i've been next to it was honestly bizarre I ended up staying for two days cause I was watching for eagles, but the trip was definitely a bummer. Outside of them, most neighbors and trips have been wonderful. I car camp in very remote boondocking places. Once years ago when my kids were little and we had a minivan we were camping in such a place. I saw an old Ford pickup drive by, stop and look us over for a weird amount of time. I commented on it to my wife and couldn't quit thinking about it the rest of the evening. Anyway, we went to bed and was all asleep when I was immediately awakened by that same old pickup, very recognizable sound. I checked my watch. 1.30 am. I could see through the tent window and from the little ambient light could see that they had cut their lights and motor and was coasting down the little road we were on. Aways from our camp they stopped and the passenger exited the vehicle with something long in their hands ball bat, rifle, tree limb. Who knows? I was now watching him through my rifle scope but could not tell what he had. He started walking towards our tent so I started yelling at him. Stop, go away, what do you want? All of that. I told him stop or I will shoot you, nothing fazed him and he acted like he wasn't hearing me. I mentally set a boundary where if he crossed it I was going to shoot. He advanced to that spot but stopped right at when the driver of the pickup said hey, we probably shouldn't do this, get in. He walked back to his rig and they left. This was absolutely the only time I've ever felt threatened while camping. Went camping at Baxter State Park in Maine. For those who don't know, the camp is entirely dirt roads, about a two hour long drive through the park. We're staying at a site about an hour into the park for three days in the middle of summer. We get there and are checking in at the gate, and a tiny blue sedan with New York plates driving around us, honking their horn and cheering out their window. This then proceeds to be the one single car we see for the entire rest of our trip, at a popular main park in the middle of July. And we see them everywhere, constantly. Whenever we're driving, they are behind us or drive past us. We're sitting at our campsite and whenever we look up they drive by. They drive by whenever we are in a parking lot headed to our own vehicle. When we go to leave at the end of our trip, guess who else is leaving, and chases us from our campsite all the way to the highway. Was solo camping at a campground with absolutely zero reception for at least a 30-minute drive in either direction, I was really looking forward to unplugging after a crazy month of work. The campground was near empty, despite Reserve America saying otherwise when I booked my site, as I was setting up there was an older guy walking past my site on the road having a field day talking very loud to himself. He sees me and says hello then continues on his way only to circle back and take a trail by cutting through to it right behind my site, I never saw him again though so no worries there. The next night I was sitting at my campfire reading NOS 4A2 by Joe Hill and it was close to 10 or 11pm can't remember what time now and I hear footsteps by my car and see a headlamp bouncing up and down, there's a dude just coming into my sight when I bounce up and ask can I help you? He then stops and tells me was coming to see if I wanted any leftover salmon, he and his friend made too much. He was holding it in tinfoil, he left and I slept in my car that night with a knife next to me. I probably overreacted, but seriously walking unannounced into a solo woman's campsite when there is absolutely no one else around is mad creepy and unnerving at that late hour. Probably didn't help that I was reading a book about a dude who kidnaps people. I can't think of any while car camping. Usually you get your peace and quiet and if not it's usually a nice neighborly environment playing frisbee or sharing a campfire dessert come to mind, but never saw anything I thought was untoward in 20 years of camping at state parks in Indiana. Honestly the only thing that comes close is in my local county park there was a lady who was there all summer long. I run at least one morning there every week, sometimes more. I spend a ton of time there all year round. Snow showing, swimming, outdoor concerts, disc golf, etc. So from May until October I'm probably out there 2-3 to days a week. So this one summer this lady who drove a big rig was camping there. She had the same campsite all summer long, and no matter what day or time I showed up there she was. Eventually she started making gumbo and selling bowls of it for $5. I thought this was weird as hell, but I bought a bowl and it was decent. I think pretty soon after the park told her she couldn't sell food. But she stayed a few more weeks after that and eventually her semi was gone. That's literally the only abnormal story I can think of, and it's really not a big deal. She broke the park's rules, she stopped. End of story. I've only had one experience with someone that left me thinking something was very off. A few years ago my wife and I were camping up at Gold Bluffs beach campground in Northern California. It's a really nice campground that sites pretty much right on the beach, fairly small too, I think 25 sites or so. It's also fairly remote, you need to drive about 8 miles of dirt road to access it, but keep in mind it's still a state parks campground so it's got all the amenities and such. Anyway, it was November so the campground was fairly empty, just a couple other groups. Around midday, this guy shows up and grabs the site next to ours. He arrived in a normal four-door sedan and had zero camping supplies with him. Around sunset, he came by and was talking to us. He said he was a teacher on some break and flew into OR and was just driving south for a few days for a break. He said he bought a sleeping bag from Walmart and was just planning to sleep in his car. He seemed normal enough when we talked to him, just kind of odd circumstances but figured whatever. He moved along and we didn't really see him the rest of the night. So later that night, around 10 to 11, I'm walking back from the bathroom, I always brush my teeth in the bathroom if I can camping, don't know why, and I'm walking past this guy's side and all of a sudden he's behind me and says something, scarred the shit out of me, I'm also fairly drunk at this point in the evening. So I start talking to him for a little bit and I don't know what it was but I just got an extremely bad feeling talking to this guy. Something about him seemed off and really sketchy, At one point he says, oh I have something for you and goes in the trunk of his car, I remember thinking this dude is gonna pull out an axe or some shit. He hands me a pack of toilet paper, ha, go figure. So I wrap up the conversation, wish him good night, and head to my tent. Kept the knife right by my head that night. In the middle of the night, I get woken up by what I swear was something walking around our tent. There's a decent chance it could've been a critter too. There's plenty of skunks and foxes in the area. The next morning I wake up pretty early, like 6 am, and he's gone. I always think back and wonder, either he was really just a lonely guy who was out on a random trip and was just kind of weird or dude was a serial killer or something and was looking for a victim. I've never got that vibe I got from that dude from anyone before. Never had another weird experience camping in my life aside from that one, but I always think about it when we're camping now and take a look around to see what kind of folks are nearby. Nowadays, it's mostly families, though it seems. One night, years ago, when the wife and I were dating, we were sitting by the fire and were pretty tipsy when across the way we heard a dog screaming. I jumped up and was headed over to the other campsite when I saw the silhouette of a bunch of people standing around a fire while one guy was beating a large dog. I'm not a fighter, meaning I was too scared to confront 6 to 8 people while alcohol is involved on both sides, I assume they were drinking as well. We went to bed with our own dog that night feeling shitty from what we had seen and our lack of intervention. The next morning while walking our dog, the guy was walking his own dog towards us on the same path. All I can think of is vengeance. I started calling that mother f out as I walked towards him but as I get closer I see his palms up towards me and a messed up looking dog. He quickly explained how his dog was old and sick and she fell in the fire and he was putting the flames out. He also said they've been thinking of putting her down but decided on a last camping trip before they did it. We all had a little cry and wished him the best of luck. I was in the national forest a few back at my favorite dispersed site. There was a large group across from us. I had just purchased a rifle so I was trying it out when one of our neighbors came charging across the creek that separates us. He then begins to tell me that it was illegal to shoot in that area. I respond by telling him I was in the same exact spot several weeks before when a ranger pulled up and told me it was fine to shoot there. These people were drinking and probably doing meth into the early morning hours. The next day, one of them came into my camp again trying to intimidate me and trying to start a fight. At that point I told them stay out of my camp or suffer the consequences. I eventually packed up and moved because that is not why I go to the mountains and dispersed camp. It was a holiday weekend. Was backpacking with two friends when three very backwoods looking hunters came into our campsite. They were of course armed while we weren't. They stood there acting sketchy and circling in closer and closer to us kind of herding us into a smaller circle if you will. They asked a ton of questions about where we parked, how long were we staying, was there anyone else with us. Lots of abnormal shit. No normal small talk all questions gauging our situation. We were very brief and made it clear we were just relaxing. We tried to politely usher them out of our sight but they lingered well past the uncomfortable point. They finally left without incident, I barely slept that night. I've not camped unarmed since. Me and about 8 other high school friends went camping. We were all 16 or 17. We went on some crown land, about an hour and a half up some logging roads, Around 5 PM we heard some gunshots off in the distance. However this is a common place to hunt so we didn't think too much about it. A half hour goes by and we are greeted by two very large men on quads. They have a couple of dogs with them. It looks as though they are a father and son but I can't say for sure. Both quite overweight, with large beards. The only big difference between them was one had a grey beard. Only the man with the grey beard spoke to us. He told us that there was a bear in the area and they were firing off shots to scare it off. We thanked him for the heads up and they were off up the road. We could still hear the shots going off for about 20 minutes or so. Later that night around 11 PM, we were all sitting around the fire. It's pitch black all around us. The two dogs come running into our campsite. They were running all over the place. It took us a minute to realize they were the dogs from earlier. Soon after the younger of the two men appears out of the dark. He was on foot and barely made a sound as he was slowly illuminated by the campfire light. We were all a little rattled, it wasn't the kind of camping where you expect someone to show up uninvited. He said something along the lines of just wanted to see how you guys were making out. He had a beer in his hand. One of my buddies told him to pull up a seat, so he did. I don't think he was even there for 5 minutes when he looks across the fire and asks my friend what would you do if I got up and threw you in the fire? With a quick response my buddy answered back I'd be more concerned about what everyone else would be doing to you. Another friend chimes in, I think you better be going now. The guy stands up and bursts into laughter. Turns around walks into the dark laughing hysterically. It was one of the creepiest things I've experienced hearing his laugh get fader as he got farther away. We were all like what the F was that about? We all slept with a pocket knife or a hatchet that night. Woke up the next morning, packed up and got the hell out of there. The worst experience I have ever had camping was a time at a state park where a couple of co-workers and I were camping at a large spot where the three of us could spread out. It was a lakeside site in a grassy area, and we were sitting around in the dark just chatting. Three guys in a truck drove down into this area where we were, which was quite secluded. The sat in the truck for a while, smoking pot and talking. We stayed still and silent, trying to figure out what they were going to do. Eventually they got out of the truck and walked right through our campsite, saying some pretty vulgar things about us. They walked up into the rocks behind us and started howling. Yes, howling. We grabbed anything important, left our tents, and drove to the other side of the lake. Looked for a camp host. No one was around. We waited until we saw their truck leave, and then we went back for our tents and set up camp on the other side of the lake. Later, around 2-3 to am or so, we had people drive by to sneak in and go fishing by our new site. It was an extremely unpleasant experience and an uneasy night of sleep. Camping in northeastern Kentucky, specifically in the Red River Gorge or Daniel Boone National Park, we had set up at a moderately advanced tent camping site. It was secluded, the only flat spot for miles, requiring a strenuous, nearly 90-degree, three-story climb to reach. Despite its seclusion, it wasn't far from the trailhead. So, around 3 in the morning, we were startled by loud bass music at the trailhead followed shortly by hooting and hollering from the trail. We were all in our tents, trying to sleep. The shouts of toe up from the flow up. And Nasty Natty. Grew closer and closer. It was puzzling because the five of us had arrived in three cars, all parked at the trailhead, and other than scenic views, no camping spots except ours were accessible from this trail. How did they not see the cars? Sure enough, After the sounds of drunk individuals somehow managing the three-story climb in the dark, we heard, someone's at the spot. Followed by, what? And then, somebody is at the spot. They were absolutely screaming at each other. They backtracked about 30 feet up the trail and apparently set up camp in the scrub growth. The sounds of chopping wood, in a national park, and drunken singing floated up to us until about 5 am. Finally, the noise ceased, suggesting they had passed out. Or had they? In our camp, merely 20 feet from my tent door, I overheard two individuals dangling their feet over the cliff, making no attempt to be quiet. Eventually, resigning myself to the fact that I wouldn't get any sleep, I got dressed and approached them. They were surprisingly cordial but went on to tell me that two weeks prior, they had been at this spot, got caught in the rain, and had set all of their gear on fire and thrown it over the cliff. I initially thought they were joking, but upon looking over the cliff, I could just make out the charred remains of tents and sleeping bags littering the rocks below. For a moment, I contemplated retaliating, but decided it wasn't worth it. The next day, after managing to get a little sleep, we packed up and hiked out. These individuals had cut down a fairly large live tree and were attempting to burn it. As we were driving out, we noticed a significant number of Ohio license plates, nasty natty, and decided it would be a while before we returned. I have been camping since I was as small as a grasshopper, I'm 48 now, and only twice have I had creepy encounters. The first time was at Oswald West, outside of Cannon Beach on the Oregon coast. I went there with my father on a Monday to pick the spot I wanted because that place would always fill up. It's worth noting that it's roughly a mile hike to the campsites and the rangers leave at dark. My dad left on Wednesday, and I had friends coming to camp on Friday. I stayed by myself until then with no issues. When Friday arrived, my friends, all girls, got off work and drove to Oswald West. By the time they arrived, it was dark. They called me to let me know they were close and asked me to meet them at the trailhead. I had everything, all their tents and whatnot already there and set up, so all they were bringing were their sleeping bags. We hiked back to the campgrounds and reached the bathrooms, where all of them mentioned they needed to use the restroom, so they did. One comes out, and I said I was going to use the restroom too. Inside the bathroom, I could hear the girls talking to someone outside. When I came out, two guys were there, one skinny, scraggly guy and one very large man, telling them something. I approached them and the skinny guy was flashing a fake toy badge, saying the girls needed to come with them because the campground was full. I firmly told them my friends were going nowhere with them, they were with me, and I had been there all week and had never seen them. The larger man asked to see my receipt. I had the girls walk down the trail to my campground ahead of me and told my fiancé to get everyone to the farthest part of the campsite while I fetched the receipt from the tent. The men followed us to the entrance path of the site. The girls went to the back of the site, I grabbed my receipt and my hatchet, and when I came out, the girls were terrified. I walked back towards where the two men had been, and they were gone. It was incredibly sketchy. We never saw the two rangers again, and the next day, I reported the incident to the actual rangers, who said I had done the right thing and that they would keep a lookout. And that was the next year, but not the same person. The second time, I was rafting and camping down the Deschutes river with a group of about eight guys and three rafts. We were all up late drinking and playing cards. I knew some were planning on going fishing at daybreak, but I told them I wanted to sleep in because I'm lazy, and this was after a week of work. In the morning, I heard some rustling at the front of my tent and said, I'm going to sleep longer and we'll make more coffee when I get up. After rolling over to go back to bed, there was more rustling, Then the front of my tent started unzipping. I sat up in my sleeping bag, thinking, what the heck? And there was a deer head poking through the front of my tent, just staring at me. It was as surprised as I was and quickly took off, but waking up to a deer head at my front door just staring at me was creepy as heck. The deer actually lingered about 10 minutes at the edge of the campsite. Obviously, people had been feeding it. Please don't feed the deer. This isn't creepy, but it was something. In July 2021, my friend and I did a trip to Grand Teton and Yellowstone. Halfway through the trip, we were staying at Canyon Campground in Yellowstone National Park. The sites around us were empty until about 9.30 to 10 p.m. until a passenger van arrived with a group of six people along with their camping gear. They made a big dinner and weren't too noisy, but afterwards they decided to have a fire in the fire ring. They had some wood that they had bought but they had also gathered a handful of dead twigs and bigger branches, which you're not supposed to do when within a nation park campground. Due to the wood and area being so dry the fire started quite quickly but they still piled all of their collected branches on with some wood. Their campsite had a lot of lowish hanging tree branches over the fire ring and since the fire was so high the top of the flames were approaching the branches. I decided to go over with one of my gallon water jugs we bought for the trip to help them out. I went over to their campsite and learned that most of them didn't speak English very well and that this was their first time camping and that they had just driven there from Salt Lake City in their rental van. As I was over there talking to the person in the group that spoke the best English a campground host came by to help with the fire as they noticed it was too big. And the campground host poured water on the fire and moved the branches around so the fire wasn't as big. Again, not a creepy story just kind of like a wow moment. It wouldn't have been good if one of the tree branches caught fire. The first time I ever considered an alien was real or anything was when I was 19 when my boyfriend and I have a few years lived in Canada. We woke up one day like normal, had breakfast, sat down and I'll never forget his face. I thought he was having a brain aneurysm or something and I, obviously panicking, asked what's wrong? He shakily said. I just remembered something and I don't know how to explain it. He had tears running down his face, shaking like a leaf, and after I held him for a few minutes he started talking. He is a Native American and a strong man who is almost a genius IQ, who doesn't smoke, drink, or use drugs, and who doesn't believe in ghosts or any of that paranormal stuff. He told me he woke up in bed and two aliens were walking in the room. He was screaming trying to wake me up. He said they were the typical grey aliens but had long arms and no genitalia. He said they came into the room with their hands out like to give us a high five. He told me when he was screaming, it was like I couldn't hear him at all and I am a soft sleeper. He said one alien came over and kept a hand over the top of me while the other one walked towards him with his hands up. He said he heard this hum and it was putting him in a trance, no matter how hard he fought it. The alien was on top of him until he passed out. I ended up finding out I was pregnant not long after and the conception date the doctor gave us was around that night. We did a lot of research but he couldn't handle it. He always shook and would become overwhelmed any time he heard a weird hum that reminded him of it or anything. We assumed maybe they were implanting their DNA into our baby trying to crossbreed or maybe taking our eggs or sperm. But that was that, and I didn't think about it again until three years later after we broke up for a while. I still blame that incident for our breakup. Like it was a reminder of that traumatic memory. After we broke up he refused to talk about it. I started having sleep paralysis and weird sleep issues and never thought much about it until I started being aware once i forced myself to be aware of what's truly happened i realized that i was being abducted a lot the normal stories you hear and read don't really match but what i know is that they can control us while we are sleeping and weak when we are sleeping they telepathically can control us by forcing us back to sleep or paralyzing us after two years of being aware i started to get really good at fighting their forced sleep or paralysis They've actually gotten angry and threatened me telepathically to stop and that I need to not make it harder on them. Also, if I just go to sleep I won't be scared anymore. If I want to move again just fall back asleep and I will wake up just fine. To my knowledge, if you break out of the trance they are told to leave because it makes it dangerous and hard to control us. Every time I overpower them they always just leave. I now know when they come in my room and I can normally wake up. Some sort of defense mechanism I assume. But that has caused many other issues. I now think they are using harsher methods when trying to take me. Anyways, they do not like for us to see them so they try to attack our backs. Stand over our back or behind us. I have now set up my bed so they have to walk to the side of me in front of my TV, which I always have on because I continue to try to see them. I am now scared of the dark. One recent night I had a horrible sleep my body kept telling me they were coming. I never did this before but I turned on my phone and recorded. It was 2 hours of recording and it was raining outside. I woke up paralyzed like usual and I opened an eye and saw the shadow in the corner of my TV and fought my hardest to get out of my paralysis. It only took me a second and I lifted my head up, looked right at it and it vanished. So I went to watch my recording to see if I could hear or see anything at the moment I saw it. The minute before I broke free from my sleep and picked up my phone to see if anything was on it I could clearly hear a humming beat like a heartbeat in the background. I can hear the beat start around 30 seconds into the clip. I can provide an entire recording of an hour and so for authenticity as well. My only guess is that's the sound wave they may use to control us during our sleep I am not sure. I have a lot more I would like to try to remember by hypnosis and I know they will be back. I honestly believe they have human women carry children as crossbreeds because their reproduction systems have slowly been failing. We carry them for a month or two in our wombs and then take them out. And can somehow keep them alive from then on with their technology. I have been consistently feeling pregnant on and off for a year. My breasts fill up huge and are tender. I have acne cravings and weight gain. I hope to personally demand to know more about what these creatures are doing and why they are taking me. This is the first time contacting anyone because this is the first time I have any sort of proof. This happened several years ago when I was about 11 years old. I was in a wooded 100 acre ranch in Northern New. My family owns the property and we have family reunions every year and all stay for about 5 days to camp. There's an area of the ranch where we all set up camp and cook and eat. Getting to that part of the ranch requires driving through a small village and several gates for about 2 miles. The first gate beyond the village is slightly past a set of railroad tracks. That's a lot of description, but it's relevant later in the story. Because I had been camping at the ranch for as long as I could remember and the land was private, my parents would allow me to go off on my own during the day as long as I didn't go too far. I'd spend time walking the property near our camp area looking for arrowheads or trying to catch tadpoles in the ponds. On this day, I left the large camp area after lunch, which was around 11.30, and told my mom I was going to a nearby creek. I planned on catching some tadpoles to bring back to camp and be back on time for a swimming trip my cousins were planning. They wanted to go to a nearby river and I really didn't want to miss it. I made it down to the creek and got several tadpoles. I probably spent a total of 15 minutes down there. To get back to camp, I would've needed to either climb up a relatively steep embankment with a lot of loose rock or circle around on a longer route with a flat trail. I'd usually go up the embankment, but I didn't have a top for the water bottle I caught the tadpoles with and didn't want to risk slipping and spilling them out or killing them. I had never walked the longer trail by myself, but I had with my dad and felt confident I could find my way back to camp on it. As I walked back to camp, I had my head down looking for arrowheads in the washed out areas of the trail. I started feeling a little creeped out as I continued walking. We all know that feeling like someone is watching. It was unsettling, but I chalked it up to just getting spooked being on the trail by myself. Now the next part, I can't explain whatsoever. It's as if a light switch was turned on or someone snapped their fingers and I came back to reality. Except when I came to. I wasn't on the trail I had been on before. I was near the railroad tracks and it was completely dark. My mom was standing in front of me shaking my shoulders and yelling, where were you? Two things I remember really clearly about the moments I came to are. 1. The look of fear, anger, relief in my mom's tearful eyes as she was yelling at me, and 2. The confusion I felt about what the hell was going on. The last thing I remembered was walking on the trail back to camp and now suddenly it was dark and I was at the railroad tracks leading to the ranch, which was over 2 miles away. The best way I can describe it is to compare it to the movie The Butterfly Effect. The main character would be living in one moment, then suddenly he'd wake up somewhere entirely different. My parents drove me back to camp and I learned it was 10.30pm this meant I had been gone for 11 hours, about 10 of which I can't account for to this day. My parents and all my family had understandably freaked the hell out when I hadn't returned to camp. They had been looking for me all day. I was a really good kid growing up and rarely broke any rules, so my parents were baffled at my behavior. I tried to explain to them that I had no memory of getting to the tracks, but they didn't believe me. They thought maybe I got lost and was embarrassed to admit it. This was the only time I've ever experienced something like this. I can't explain how unsettling it is to not be able to account for all those hours I was gone. Was it a coincidence that I had that creeped out feeling on the trail and then just lost 10 hours of my life? I wish I had answers for what happened.